2: On a double OT thriller and certainly some raised expectations about heading to the playoffs for the second straight year. But instead, disappointments and controversies led the Knicks to duplicating what they did after their previous last trip to the postseason. A 37-45 and finish and a lot of questions to be answered. And we'll try to answer some of them here on The Putback with Ian Begley Live. I'm Chris Williamson alongside our SNY NBA insider, Ian Begley. We are thrilled to be once again joined by Bobby Marks who is the ESPN NBA front office insider. And I can't even count how many times we've had CP on, the franchise of Knicks Fan TV, but he's here as well. And we're streaming live on SNY.TV, as well as on our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube channels. As always, we kick things off with the baseline. And, Ian, so, you know, after weeks and really months of silence, uh, Leon Rose finally chatted with Mike Green uh, of the MSG Network and discussed the future of the franchise complete confidence in Tibbs, a commitment from Julius Randle and an obvious statement that no one in the organization is really happy with the result. Uh, what did you make of Leon's comments the other day?
3: You know I thought he did show some candor on Julius Randle when he talked about you know Julius an emotional player and sometimes the emotions kind of show themselves on the court and may have impacted his play. He talked about you know the, the burden the big load that Julius carried this season and the idea that his his shot just wasn't falling this year like it was last year. Chris, you mentioned Leon saying that Julius told him he wants to be in New York. Now, uh, to me, uh, Leon Rose knows the media well enough. He's been in the league, around league for so long. He knows what to say, what not to say. So I wouldn't glean too much about what he said in that interview with MSU Network. With regards to Julius Randle, uh, I would expect the Knicks to at least, you know, explore uh, opportunities or or the market for Julius Randle uh, and potential trades. Uh, that being said, um, Rose, I, I thought you know did did provide some candor there with Randle and the frustrations. And quick aside, no one cares about this, Chris, but uh, Leon Rose uh, will not. I don't think talk to the local media. I think he's just going to speak to MSG Network um, as far as season-ending availability. Uh, to me, just a sign of lack of respect to local media. Again, media cares about it. Fans probably don't just want to make a note of that.
2: No, I, you know, I actually disagree. I think the fans do because you guys will give more, I guess, critical questions, you know, than MSG Network, which obviously is run by James Dolan and the Knicks. So I do think uh, people will be actually more interested to hear from him if you and other, all the other local reporters like myself uh, were interviewing him. But, yeah, clearly it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, CP, what was your reaction to what Leon Rose had to say, and specifically the commitment about Julius Randle made to the Knicks to stay in New York?
1: Yeah, I, I think he he played it, uh, you know, politically correct, if, if you will, you know, just putting confidence in his play. But, but at the same time, I, I have to be thinking that, uh, they're gonna be looking for trades out there for him. I'm not so sure if this situation is is tenable with with Julius Randle. Uh yes, the on court, his place, his his statistics have dropped. Uh, but the relationship with the fans, there is strain there. He's admitted it. Uh, you guys saw the situation where his wife called out Knicks fan TV as, you know, uh the 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 people who stir the pot here and and have dogged him to According to her, which I disagreed with. So I I think there's strain there with the fans. You combine that with the fact that Obi Toppin is surging right now, 20 and seven as a starter, opening up the offense, whether it's in the transition game, whether it's spacing the floor from three point land, you know, drawing the, the, the love of the fans. I'm not so sure if the fans are going to have patience uh, for Julius Randle to allow him to struggle If he's holding the ball in isolation, there's going to be, you know, those boos. He's getting booed in the lineups. And Tom Thibodeau refuses to play the two players together for meaningful minutes. I'm just not sure if this is a a tenable situation for him going forward.
2: So clearly, uh, that has us headed into a direction of them changing course, you know, from him coming back uh, in the offseason and the Knicks trying to move him. So obviously, Bobby, um, his contract is not something that is easily or easily going to be tradable. So how difficult would that be in your eyes based on the way he played and how much money he's making?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think if your teams you're looking at was last year kind of um, an outlier as far as the, you know, the 2021 season, or, you know, I think this year is probably more like what he he's done in the past prior to the all NBA year, right? You look at his numbers, whether it be from three it's comparable to where he was in LA and in in New Orleans. So is, you know, so that's going to be, that would be my big question. You're inheriting four years over a hundred million dollars. If you're a team is that, is he an all-star player or a, you know, a a solid starter? So that's going to depend. Hey, if you're giving, if you feel like he's part of your future, whether it be with New York or another team, then, you know, you're probably going to be giving up more. Um, But I don't know if he'll ever get back to where he was a year ago. I think that was kind of a – I do think that was kind of an outlier there. Bobby, I guess
3: off of that, what do you think about the the extension and kind of how it looks now and and how it might look, you know, a few years down the line if there's a new CBA, just in terms of the contract, team-friendly, player-friendly?
4: yeah I mean I was for, I mean, I came on your show a year ago, and I, I I liked the extension based off you you know locked them in for, um, for four years. It wasn't a max deal. Uh, I, do, I still think it's a, a movable contract if you want. Um, I think the, the one concern in just talking with teams is that, um, and I think you'll see a little bit of a trend like that this this offseason is that teams don't know what new rules will be in a new CBA. Um, we think that there might be just kind of an amendment to what we currently have um, so there is some concern as far as teams taking back substantial money in future years if the rules change a little bit um, you know a good a good example is um, you know a team like Oklahoma City you know Oklahoma City has been known to take back back you know back you know they took back um, Temba last year in the um in that Boston trade here. And, you know, they have a kind of a a two year window on on taking back money that likely changes because a new CBA comes into play in 2023. Um, So I think there is some hesitancy as far as from a team standpoint, you know, is it, if it's eight to $10 million, it's, you know, not, not a big deal, but if it's a 25 to $30 million player and that's a good chunk of your flexibility, then that does raise um, a little bit of a concern.
2: Yeah, that absolutely does. And of course, you guys run the show, so be sure to submit your questions in the chat wherever you're watching the show. And just quickly a little bit, Bobby, do you think, um, you know, Randall and Toppin can coexist for the foreseeable future? Or do you feel like a a divorce is uh, really inedible for this team?
4: I would have loved to see a more body of work with those guys. I mean, I thought that you know, the, you know, the, the sample size probably is not there to make a decision. I would have loved to use the last twenty-five games as kind of a an audition to see kind of what works and what doesn't work here. Um, so I, I don't know if them together works as far as you know. Certainly, who you play against and the type of uh, the type of lineups out there as far as if maybe one is playing a small ball five. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's to, to be determined, but the, the hard part with t- to be determined is that you know you got, you know, Obi goes into year three now, right? So now you're going to have to kind of formulate an opinion as far as where he fits um, kind of in the pecking order.
2: And, you know, when we're looking at all of these situations, uh, obviously it is very important to look at the cap situation for the offseason, for the Knicks. Uh, how exactly do you think they're set up uh this offseason when it comes to cap space.
4: Yeah. I mean there, I mean, you know, Leon in his um when he did that interview on uh, an MSG, you know, he did hit on some good points. You know, like from a flexibility standpoint, they're still there. You know, you no, know, they don't have cap space, but you know, there's not really many teams do. But there there's a lot of there's a lot of tradable contracts on this roster. Um I call them kind of those sweet spot contracts, whether it be Nerlens or Derek um Rose. Um Kind of players in that, you know, uh, I guess you could put Fournier in there. Players that you you signed um, last offseason, as far as to move around. Now the question is, is, that if a player becomes available and you want to start creating room, then you're going to have to find homes for these players and not take um, not take back money. Um, so there's the they're they're not stuck with dead end contracts. There's the flexibility is there to go out and make a trade. And I think how this team improves. Likely is going to have to be in the trade market and probably less in uh, less in free agency. I got a question for CP off that CP. Ideal Knicks trade
3: uh, candidate, the player that bringing in you'd bring in via trade if you were running the show.
1: Who would you go after? Uh, are we talking home run or or uh, realistic? <laughs> Let's <go> home run. <laughs> Because if we're going home run, I, I'm calling Danny Ains to see, uh, you know, what, what's the price going to be for Donovan, Spider, Mitchell. If if we're going home run, I got to go for it. We got to bring our guy home. You know, if we're going for singles, you can check into the Brunson market. If if you're not comfortable with going with quickly at the starting point guard, maybe Brogdon. We've heard Indiana may make Brogdon available. Uh, do they want to experiment with the Sexton? You know, you're still going to have to pay them. But uh, those are some of those guys that I would look at. From a you know singles and doubles standpoint, home run, Donovan Mitchell.
2: Okay, so that leads me to my next question for Bobby. Actually, so if the Knicks were able to land a player like a star such as Donovan Mitchell, how much would that take, considering what they have on their current roster?
4: Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Donovan's in a unique situation, and uh, you know, Chris he makes he makes a good point because what's going to happen here, guys, in the next couple of weeks is that there's going to be a team or teams who think they are a lot better than they are and will lose in the first round here. could be Utah for a, um, you know, you know, they lost in the second round. So they're going, there's going to be disappointment and you are going to be looking to make wholesale changes. Would Utah do that with Donovan? I would say probably highly unlikely, but those are situations that you need, you have to monitor, right? I mean, that's just kind of the, the the nature of the beast here, and so if you're in New York, yeah, I mean players like that would only they don't come around very often. So you basically just say like, take whatever you want. Like, you know, you, you got a guy that's under contract for after this year four more years. Like that's extremely, um, extre- extremely rare here. So that's a unique situation. I think the Brunson situation is 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 interesting just because he's unrestricted. And but you don't have the room to go out and get him. So what are you looking to move to kind of open up that spot? And is it, you know, is it 16, $18 million? Is it in that range as far as what the cost is? Um, I think for, for New York and for some of the other things, fortunately, like this is not the greatest, you know, free agent market here. So that's why I kind of go back to trades and you mentioned Brogdon. Brogdon's interesting because and I'm actually writing their off-season article right now and and I have it in there like they have to figure out, you know, Kevin Pritchard, their president came out and said like, you know, Tyrese Halberton is our point guard of the future, right? Like we don't, mm-hmm. you know, we you know, you need top 10 players like him. So how does Brogdon fit in? You know, he signed this extension um last off-season. He's got 3 years uh left. Not bad money. I mean, like net $20 million range here, but There's a small sample when him and Hal Burton were on the court and it's not good. I mean, I think they were outscored like 16 points per 100 possessions in like 200 minutes. So that's another thing. Like it's almost kind of like the Donovan situation. Like there's going to be players that are going to be squeezed out here and it's just being in kind of like the right place, right time. Um, But you have, You got all your draft picks. You got the Dallas pick. um, You've got younger players. You've got tradable contract. It's just a matter of kind of when the opportunity comes.
2: Right. And uh, CP, Justin Williams is actually asking you to make this team better. You know, speaking about stars and young players uh, to make this team better looking for a star. A young guy clearly is going to have to be traded. So out of that young core, who do you trade?
1: Well, Tom Thibodeau says Julius Randle's still young, so I guess I, I'll, I'll start with that one, right? But uh, look, I mean, you're going to have to pay to play. You're looking at a guy like a Quentin Grimes who pre-injury was coming on strong with this team and, and solidifying his role as as a 3-and-D player at the very least. You know, very high floor. Tom Thibodeau raved about him. Obviously, it's going to be multiple draft picks. Is it, is it an Emmanuel Quickly who's coming on strong to close this season out? You know, could be even Obi. So, these are the things that, as Bobby said, the Knicks are going to have to, you know, keep their ears open, keep the, the phone lines open. And you may have to part with some of these guys. But as Leon Rose said, uh, they are set up well for the future, whether it's the cap flexibility or the draft capital. So it's going to be a combination of those things that will get the job done. I want to introduce you guys to a new sponsor of the show, and that is Hello Fresh. America's number one meal kit meets the number one show for the fans by the fans, man. And the new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you, whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout or learning how to cook, prioritizing your wellness. HelloFresh is here to help with the endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. With HelloFresh, they deliver pre-portioned ingredients right to your doorstep, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. So you get convenience without skimping on the quality skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you long waits and long lines at the store, man. HelloFresh is definitely a great deal, especially, you know, the pandemic as well. Some people want to stay out of public as much as they can. HelloFresh is definitely a great option.
2: You must've been reading my mind, uh, CP, because that's exactly where I was headed, you know, about OB and IQ. And uh, OB had a really sophomore breakout year. He matched or surpassed his previous career high in points each of the last five games including 35 points on Friday and a new career high of 42 in the finale on Sunday. And what did we learn about Mr. Obi Toppin this season after a disappointing uh, rookie year? Yeah, I think these okay. last, no, ahead,
3: the, the, I'm sorry, the last few games, you know, the question going into this stretch was what can Obi Toppin do with extended minutes? Uh, can he give you more? Um, if you're giving him starters minutes, He answered that. I mean, you could talk about uh, the competition and who he was playing against, but there's no arguing the idea that he performed and performed really well in extended minutes. I think it just gives the Knicks more to think about uh, when they go into this offseason trying to – how to proceed with Julius Randall, Obi Toppin, how to figure that out. Because you go back to when they drafted Toppin. I mean, the offseason leading up to that draft was – and and after that draft, I should say, too, teams felt that Randall was available via trade. So I think something needs to shake out there. You either decide how to, you know, maximize both of these guys on your roster or something shakes loose. I think the way Toppin played was just more evidence that you need to take a hard look at that.
2: Yeah. And the energy that he brings is infectious. And when you allow him to cook and he doesn't have to look over his shoulder, you see the confidence and you see his ability to play. Uh, in a more fluid manner, uh, but what I'm interested in from you, Bobby, is uh, how much stock does a front office put into a dominant stretch of games like Toppin had? When really it's the end of the season and there isn't anything left to play for except for developing your game.
4: I, I think the big thing is is that um, yeah, I mean they weren't playing for a play in um, playing spot, but putting them in positions when games mean something, whether it be games that you know, are cloaks, right? Competitive games, not just kind of playing out the string and you're playing in, in kind of um, blowout type games. So, you know, whether it be the, you know, whether it be the Nets game, um, you know, last week, or, you know, you know, maybe Washington or some of these other Detroit, some of these other games where you want to put them in positions at the end of the fourth quarter or down the stretch to see how they react to different things that they weren't in um, maybe earlier, earlier in the year. So that, I think that's part of it's. It's kind of almost like, you know, we you, you got to be careful when you, you evaluate prospects like just in the in the NCAA tournament, right? Right. Like, uh, like a sample stretch of games, but that is part of the overall. Um, that is part of the overall evaluation here. So I do think you do take stock into a player that um, you know played well at the end because what's what's going to happen is is that the coaches will eventually start meeting and they'll start going through film from this year. And they'll say, you know what, maybe we missed something with Obi, where we used him in a different way, the last seven games of the year where we should have done something differently. And that kind of, you know, formulates kind of a plan for him next year.
2: Right. And, you know, not only has his stock risen, but also Emmanuel quickly as well. He was fantastic the other night. Uh, CP, what type of role should Emmanuel quickly have for this Knicks team next season?
1: Yeah, well, what I would say is I think despite this season being a disappointment, uh, the, the way that we track this team, especially on my show, we start from you know the summer league preseason and the spotlight was on them in the summer league as the second-year guys, as quote-unquote the vets on that summer league team, but also to see how they would develop as players throughout the year. And so I thought it was quite fitting to see these last few games, to see them really – Uh, The spotlight finishing, you know, on on these two guys Emmanuel quickly and Obi top and then them really shining through. I I think with quickly, you know, we we talked about some of the point guard options that are out there, lackluster free agent market and and some of the trade candidates. I think quickly deserves a look to, to be inserted as a starting point. You know, he has really taken a huge leap as a playmaker this season, which was big for his development. The, the shooting has been uh, you know, negative here and there and, and about the same in certain statistical categories, but the playmaking has been on an uptick. I believe I, I saw a stat that said that um, out of 500 minimum drives in the league, he ranked 11th in assist percentage. So his persi- assist percentage has gone up since his rookie year. He's pushing the pace every time he's out there. His, his overall court awareness and vision has improved. He started picking up uh, fouls, started drawing fouls a lot better, like back to rookie year levels as the season progressed. And, you know, he played a huge role in in our fourth quarters and trying to either come back or or win the games for us. So Tibbs certainly trusts him. I just question why he never gave him that opportunity earlier this season when the whole Kemba thing was kind of spiraling out of control, instead going to Burks. I thought Quickly should have been given that opportunity to really see uh, how he can fit as a starter with this team. But I think next year he, he deserves that look.
3: DP, I mean, did Tibbs trust him? Because I, I think that's where my mind went, even when yeah. you started talking about quickly. If, I think if Tibbs was all in on quickly, you might have seen him getting regular minutes or, or getting a, a more prominent spot in that rotation earlier on, particularly as a starter later in the season. And so, I, you know, Jalen Brunson, I know, was a target, For New York ahead of the trade deadline, who was on their radar? I don't. I can't tell you definitively if he is or he isn't now. Um, But the idea that you know they were looking at Brunson and and you mentioned Brogdon. There's going to be uh, players, point guards available, signing trade or trade. And for Tom Thibodeau, you know he likes uh, traditionally he likes a bigger guard. And I wonder if you're talking about quickly, you're talking about Brunson, talking about Derrick Rose. Uh, I know one thing that came up uh, internally was. Would that be too many uh, guards who are undersized? So Mm -hmm. I think that's something that they thought about back at the trade deadline. I would assume it's still a factor for them if they're thinking about Brunson going into this offseason. But big picture with Quickly, you know, he showed you a lot. I I just wonder how Thibodeau uh, truly evaluates what he saw from Quickly because would he have given him that starter's role um, earlier a few weeks back if he had fully trusted him?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know you're right. I I feel like as a starter, right, it makes you question whether Tibbs really, really uh, trusted quickly. But then I look at the role that he kind of carved out, kind of running that second unit when Rose went out. I thought that was kind of key as well to kind of be that uh, that that fire starter for that second unit, and then having him close in a lot of fourth quarters. You know, opting to sometimes bench Fournier, sometimes bench Burks, and really Mm -hmm. having quickly out there with RJ and Julius. So. It's very interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see how how that plays out in the offseason as well.
2: It absolutely will, and obviously uh, Tibbs, uh, well, IQ left Tibbs with a great impression uh, in his last game, 34 points and a triple-double. Uh, nobody can uh, pinpoint or you know critique, little critiques there uh, as far as his last game of the year. Uh, but IQ raised his game in the second half. But have you raised your IQ yet? I'm talking about downloading – SNY app, so you can raise your IQ and all things New York sports. Knicks That's fans get all of Ian's reporting. And insight with just a tap of your screen, plus say a ton of original content on the Knicks, and it's your only destination to live stream Mets games. Download the SNY app right now, or at least after the show ends. And uh, the other bright spot during this season, uh, which was a very underwhelming year, R.J. Barrett, right? The numbers, when you look at the numbers, uh, he increased his scoring, Bobby, but the shooting percentages didn't look that great at, at the end. However, we saw the growth in his maturation over this season. Do you feel like he did enough to earn a max contract extension, or do you feel like, nah, his brother's still got to do some more work before he gets that?
4: Well, I mean, usually the extensions, unless you're, you know, I guess Tatum and Mitchell and those guys, usually you're, you're, basing it off kind of what the future, kind of what their upside is. And I, I'm not willing to go max extension right now. I mean, I, I would certainly entertain um, extension talks. I, I would I would feel that if I gave R.J. Barrett a max extension, that we could be talking like we did Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota in years like three or four. And I, I'm not saying that same com- comparable player, but just that there's – the body of work doesn't, doesn't kind of say he's a franchise player. And I think those max contracts are a specialty group. And I know you can say, well, De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento or even Shea Gilders Alexander in Oklahoma City, certain guys like that. I think those are different circumstances. But I, I would certainly want another year. I mean, th- this is an interesting um, – stat just because i'm starting to write him bad but um he is one of two players who has shot under 50 percent on um 300 layups and dunks this year the only other player is james harden oh well wow. so i think that has that's going to be a big thing as far as his ability to finish is something that he will need to work on whether it For him to get stronger I did think he had a I I had a good year but I'm not I'm just not I'm not comfortable as far as giving him out a um you know five year 182 million dollar uh 182 million dollar contract
3: but Bobby you read you mentioned you're starting to look into this and write about it I want to say your Knicks offseason preview I think is scheduled to come out soon um Wednesday I think you said but regardless of when it comes out keep an eye on Bobby's Twitter because that preview that primer is so valuable it's it's the Bible for for the offseason what sorry it's the Torah it's the Quran whatever you want to call it it is the it's an important document for Nick fans for the offseason so keep an eye out for that it's coming out Bobby my question to you off that as a front office person did would they, would a front office person take into account uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, like hurting the player's feelings or offending a player in these negotiations for a top pick who is extension eligible for the first time, do you weigh like alienating a player by having him go into year four and saying, hey, show me something in year four and we'll come back to it?
4: I think as long as there's open dialogue as far as how he, what he needs to do to get better. I mean, I think you saw in Phoenix with uh, DeAndre Eaton, who certainly had his feelings hurt um, this year, when he didn't get a max uh, extension, but still went out and had a, uh, you know, he had something to prove. I think it kind of can work that way, where it, it incentivizes a player saying, like, I need to get better, or I need to do things differently, because this is how the organization uh, views me. Because if you if you go in and, and you pout and you have a, you know, a chip on your shoulder, it's only hurting you. You know, whether it be in New York or for the other 29 teams that might have interest uh, in you. Um, Extensions, I always say rookie extensions are the hardest things to negotiate from a player and agent perspective because you're only competing against the clock, right? You're only competing against the day before the start of the regular season as far as a deadline. There's no teams out there with cap space that's going to come on an offer sheet. And if you don't get, I, I was writing this about um uh Kelvin johnson from the spurs i was writing something about him like if you don't get an extension like right off the bat when free agency starts like 99 percent of the other players have to wait until like october like mm-hmm. the, the history shows you that if you're not a max player that you're gonna have to wait and you're going to have to wait a while here. So I think that will give you an. If, if there's nothing happens with RJ in um, the first week of uh, July, I think we could be in a holding pattern for a while, for a while until we get closer to um, we get closer to the to, to, to the deadline. But it's very rare that. And then we saw Pascal Siakam a couple of years ago that players get max deals right before the season. Um, it's it's uh, you know, but I don't. I I wouldn't think he would. You know, begrudge the organization because um, I think it's just a sign that hey, this is kind of where we see you, and this is what you need to get better at. And there will be a contract waiting for you if if you accomplish these things.
2: Right. And The way he's wired, I feel like, like you said, he's not going to begrudge you know the organization. The way he's wired is just like, all right, you don't believe I'm earn, I'm worth it now, so I'm gonna definitely prove it to you uh, this upcoming season. Uh, but another guy who his future is, I guess, more uncertain as far as his. Um, long-standing future with the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson, CP, should the Knicks make an effort to bring back Mitchell Robinson? Cause when he's healthy, we've seen how effective and dominant he can be in the post. But the problem is you always feel like he's one step or two steps away from hurting uh, another body part. Yeah,
1: certainly the durability issues are concerned. I think, you know, we certainly have to give him credit for rebounding off of last year's foot injury, the extra added weight. He didn't look so good to start the season, was very uh, lethargic and, and a bit behind, but uh, you give credit to him. He shed a couple pounds, and, and once he started getting into a group, we saw some really nice and borderline dominant games from Mitchell Robinson, and we we know his impact with this team as, as far as rim protection is concerned, you know, his ability to, to jump out and, and block three-point attempts, you know, the one block that he had on Kevin Durant was, I don't think any In the league has ever accomplished such things So we we know his abilities On the defensive end he gives the team An extra lift in terms of uh, His offensive rebounding potential And then the putbacks as well Certainly needs to work on his free throw uh, Shooting but you know He's going to test the open market And now with his sixth agent In just a few years Mitch is going to look to get paid And, and I think He will end up going to the highest bidder I believe the Knicks should try to uh, bring him back a, at a reasonable price. But uh, this could be a piece where, you know, from a sign and trade perspective, you look to bring something back that can help your team. And we've seen uh, the progress of Jericho Sims. Maybe you go, you still have New Orleans Noel in your roster, not clear where they go there. And and maybe in the free agent uh, signing period, you, you bring back a stretch five or, you know, somebody else that can help space the floor. So I'd love to keep Mitch, but I, I don't think it's uh, it, it's a certainty that he comes back.
3: I agree with everything CP said, especially based on how the negotiations for the extension were going prior to the trade deadline, I got the impression that sides were not close. But Bobby, free agent market centers, just just quickly, how do you view
4: it? Yeah, I mean, I think probably the Robert Williams contract probably set the bar as far as what, I mean, Williams signed for four years, $50 million in Boston. I I don't think free agent centers, unless you're on a different level, um are getting eighteen to twenty million dollars. Um, I, I don't see that. and I think um, when you kind of just go through the list of teams, whether it be um, you know Detroit and Indiana and Portland, orlando, um San Antonio, teams that have flexibility, I, it's hard for me to think that a team's going to spend um, you know sixteen plus on on him. and if if I was New York, I would certainly entertain maybe somewhere in that 12 to $13 million range, similar to kind of where that extension would have come in and still can. I mean, they can still negotiate up until um, June 30th on a uh, on a deal, but um, I, I, I would have a hard time. And I think that's why, you know, with Williams in Boston and you're seeing now that, that was a, it was a question about durability, not what he could do on, on the court. And I think when you give a big number, um, it just exposes you to, you know, a lot of risk. A lot of risk, a lot of
3: reward, a lot of decisions coming up for Leon Rose and the front office. Just one quick note from me. We were talking about uh, Leon Rose talking to MSG Network earlier. I just want to say Mike Breen, who was conducting that interview, I think did a fantastic job. Uh, He hit on all the uh, pertinent questions. So I I wasn't criticizing Mike Breen, just more so lack of respect shown to the local media by the Knicks and uh, Leon, if we don't hear from him.
2: Yeah, Mike Mike Breen is a cream of the crop. A pro is pro. So uh, he... He is one of one. Uh, but that'll do it for this live edition of The Putback with Ian Begley. Our thanks to Bobby Marks of ESPN for his incredible insight. And thanks to CP of Knicks Fan TV for being with us a bunch this season. Give the fa- give franchise a follow. Thank you for watching us all season long. We hope you enjoyed everything we've done and all the guests that we've had. We'll be taking a little hiatus, but we will be back in June with the draft and free agency on the horizon. For Ian Begley, I'm Chris Williamson. Thanks so much for watching.